Welcome to the Steve Stein Guitar Podcast, brought to you by GuitarZoom.com. If you want to improve your guitar playing, keep listening. If you want to improve even faster, go to GuitarZoom.com, where you'll find all of Steve's premium courses, masterclasses, and memberships that'll help you quickly and easily improve your playing. Now, here's your host, Steve Stein. Guitar Lessons, a uh, group of about 8,000 people out there we got on there, and with me today I have Steve Stein, and I'd like Steve to give me a little bit about himself. Sure. Well, my name is Steve Stein. I do guitar instruction material for GuitarZoom, a company based out of San Diego. I am currently, in this filming, 46 years old, and he decided to come to Fargo, North Dakota. Wonderful, exciting Fargo, North Dakota to come and see me, so here we are. I had ulterior motives. <laughs> yeah, you have to to be in Fargo, North Dakota. Actually, it's, it's interesting because my grandparents used to live here. My parents came up here for the summers, and in fact, I was just over in Detroit Lakes and Pelican Lake. I was picking up a scam trailer, so I was coming through here anyway, but I sure. as long as we're here, Steve. Yeah, absolutely, that's awesome. You bet. Excellent. Well, I'm going to ask Steve a couple questions, and... It can be free form, so take it any way you want. Absolutely. When did you start playing guitar? I started playing on my 13th birthday. When I was 13, my parents bought me an electric guitar from Schmidt Music, which is a local music company here in the Midwest. I actually owned an acoustic guitar when I was younger. I would say like nine years old, I had a guitar. And this is a really interesting story. I lived for a very short time in a little town called Holly, Minnesota. I don't know if you've ever heard of Holly. No, I haven't. It's very, very tiny. And I lived out there for a while, and I had this guitar, this cheap acoustic guitar where the strings were a quarter inch away from the strings. And I remember learning how to play. I was trying to learn out of a Mel Bay book, and I couldn't figure it out. Like, I had, like, a G chord and a D chord and Rolog there in Holly, Minnesota. There's a little town named Rolog right next to it, and that's actually where I live, but... I couldn't figure out how to play. And I remember watching Ted Nugent once. He was on TV for something. And I'm sitting there with my acoustic guitar, and I'm watching him, and I got my Mel Bay book, and I'm like, how is he doing what he's doing when all I have is this? And I had completely convinced myself that what he was doing was like pretending because this was all I knew. This is all the book said. So it wasn't until later that I started realizing, wow, there's a lot more to this. So my parents, when I was 13, they got me a guitar, and it's been going ever since then. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. So, what influenced you? What major artist? Was it Ted Nugent, others? Or? Yeah, I, honestly, because I'm the age I am, I think the biggest influence for me was Ace Frehley from Kiss. Because when I was a kid, I had a cousin that showed me Love Gun by Kiss, the album. That was the first time I was introduced to Kiss, so I'm looking at this record of these four superhero dudes on this thing. 
And then you could buy like the Kiss dolls and all that stuff, <laughs> which I was that Had age. Had some weird paint on them. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of guitar players my age that were influenced by that thing where not only did you were you into superheroes and comic books, but you dug music. And Ace Frehley was the biggest thing. The two biggest artists when I was a kid were Kiss and Alice Cooper. My dad was a huge Alice Cooper fan, so I remember learning like Dead Babies and all these different songs like that, just really easy songs to play. I think the earliest influences, but I mean, at the same time, my mom listened to a lot of 50s music, so I grew up on a lot of doo-wop music, tons of doo-wop music. That's right. She's my baby. Yeah, that's right. All that stuff. And my dad, on the other hand, was into the Beatles and Led Zeppelin and Jimi Hendrix. So the funnest thing for me that I remember, well, one of the funnest things about being a kid was Sundays we'd get home from church and my dad and I would go in the room and just listen to music for hours. So we'd listen to Elvis and we'd listen to the Beach Boys and we'd listen to the Beatles. And again, 50s music. I was an old school country. I grew up on Willie Nelson and Waylon Jennings and all of that thing. So that's really where my influences came from. So let's speak blues. What Mm -hmm. blues areas have you been influenced by? The biggest blues for me, when I was a kid, the biggest thing for me was B.B. King. And my dad was a big big B.B. King fan. Jimi Hendrix was another one that was really big for me. But I think the biggest guy for me that really sounded different than the other stuff that I'd heard was Buddy Guy. Mm -hmm. I was a huge Buddy Guy fan. And this was long before Stevie Ray Vaughan, because when Stevie Ray Vaughan came out, for me, I was like... That sounds a lot like Buddy Guy. There was a lot of Buddy Guy-isms in there. And so I would say Roy Buchanan, Buddy Guy, those are the guys that I tend to lean towards. Okay, excellent. Let's talk a little bit about your teaching. Why did you start teaching? For the money. I mean, when I was 17, I didn't know anything about it. I was always a good speaker in school, and I wasn't afraid of being in front of people and things like that. So when I was 17, I remember I had my first student here in Fargo, I used to drive out to his house after school. I graduated early, and then I started college early. And that's where it started, and I just found that I had a knack for explaining things. And, I mean, because I've been a performer my whole life, too. I've been playing in bands since I was 20 years old, but teaching was always something that I... It wasn't a supplemental thing that I did for the income. It was something that I was really good at, and I enjoyed mm. I enjoyed what I was called the light bulb theory, right? Where you're explaining something to somebody, and they go, oh. holy crap, that's awesome. <laughs> that's what it's all about for me. So teaching started off as, well, I'm a musician, and I don't do anything because I'm too young to play in a band and blah, blah, blah. And then it just became everything that I did. Okay, what kind of style of teaching do you do? Well, I'm not exactly sure what that means. Well, how would you teach... If I were to come to you with a brand new acoustic guitar, mm-hmm. I want to be a rock star. Mm-hmm. What would you do? Point well, that can get deep, but the, one of the first things I try and do is I try and, with like a beginning student, is you try and separate strumming and chording and understanding that they don't necessarily go hand in hand. Like you learn how to strum, it's a groove thing, and you learn how to chord by a muscle memory thing. Mm-hmm. So they're two completely different avenues of thinking. So with beginning students, I always have them go, okay, so tell me some songs you like. Tell me some bands you like, regardless of how awesome or how terrible they are. Just tell me some things that you like. And then you pull up the songs, and you have them start playing along by scratching. So before they ever start learning how to play chords and the battle that that all consists of, they're already feeling music. They're already learning how to move back and forth, and they're creating dynamics by you know, hitting soft and hard and all those kind of things. Missing strums. 
to create you rhythm. You actually hear people playing the songs with just the That's scratch. right. Absolutely. So once they've developed this sense of groove, then you can go over here and you start working on some chords. And you learn a chord. And one of the biggest things that I teach with chording all the way around and, and really with scales and everything is a technique called bouncing, which is where you make a chord and then you concentrate on it. And then you practice picking the chord up and holding, retaining that shape to train your fingers how to make the shape. Because one of the biggest things people do wrong is when they get to the guitar, then they start trying to make whatever it is they're going to make, whether it's a scale or a chord something. And the trick is, is to already be able to do it. Like if you want to move from G to D, you don't want to get to the guitar and then make the G. You want to already make the G before you ever get there and then set it down. And if you want D, when you lift those fingers up, you already should have made the D to set it back down. So it's always learning how to think just a little bit ahead and already have planned out. And it might not be far. It might not be 20 seconds ahead. But being able to see what your next move is going to be just a little bit ahead so you've always got this cushion. Just like, I don't know if you're the same way, but when I was in school and I was reading, when the teacher would call on you to read in front of the class, you never wanted to make a mistake reading because then everybody would laugh at you. So you didn't really comprehend what you were reading, but you always made sure that the next word, you already had it planned out so you didn't make a mistake when you were reading. And that's what happens a lot with guitar playing in the beginning stages. We don't have it all figured out. But as long as we're not making the mistakes, we're making the connections, we're making music. Then we can move to the next level of let's now get in there and start figuring out what we're doing, how we're doing it, why we're doing it, and then keep elevating from there. So. Awesome. You said bands. Which bands have you been playing in lately? Well, lately, locally, I stopped playing traveling, although I am doing a tour in November. But... Around here, I play in my church band. I play in a Kiss cover band, believe it or not. I play in a blues band. I play in a Motley Crue tribute band. What I did was, after spending about 15 years playing and traveling around, I'm going to play what the audience wants to hear. And now I just play with a lot of friends of mine because I have a lot of connections here in Fargo. And we just do what we want to do, regardless if people really want to come and see it. It's not about how many people we can get to show up. It's about doing something that we enjoy doing. And then when we don't enjoy doing it anymore, we do something else. So you don't play Freebird? No, we do not play Freebird. <laughs> no, Brown Eyed Girl, we don't do Brown Eyed Girl. Yeah. No, that's right. And those are there's nothing wrong with that either. I mean, that's my thing is with playing is the thing that we always have to remember as guitar players is whether you're in a band or whether you're learning how to play an instrument or whatever it is, the first thing we do is we start making everything into a contest, right? So, well, I play original material and I'll never play in a cover band or whatever those things are. Listen, the more experience you can get with playing with other human beings in whatever capacity you feel like doing it is what you need to do. That's why I love open mics. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. And that's the whole point is I'm not into this argument of whether you do original stuff or cover stuff or whatever. You do whatever you want to do. For me, I just got to the point where I wasn't playing live to try and make money anymore because I was able to support my family doing this, doing what I love to do. So music kind of came back around to what do I want to do? Not so much what do I need to do to get people to walk in the door, but what do I want to do? And the good news is I have enough friends and things around where the places I play where we get enough business anyway, if that makes sense. So So where are you going to tour to? Well, I can't talk about it yet because it hasn't been announced yet. Never mind then. But it'll be soon. Yeah, it'll be, but it'll be all over the country. It'll be all over the U.S. and Canada. Well, maybe you ought to put that up on Blues Guitar Lessons once it becomes... I will, yeah. People can come say, oh, Steve's dying. Yeah, yep, it'll be fun. All right, well, let's talk about your online stuff. Okay. If um, one of these students here in Blues Guitar Lessons mm-hmm. wanted to go 
learn the blues. You got it. What kind of roadmap would you give them with your online lessons? You got it. Well, with Guitar Zoom, there's a couple of different things we have. We have a club, a Guitar Zoom subscription club, monthly club, that is all dedicated to the blues. So it talks about different elements of blues. It might be jazz blues. It might be acoustic blues. It might be finger-picking blues. It might be Texas blues. It might be soloing. It might be rhythm stuff. It might be hyper-picking. So there's all kinds of different elements that go in each month to the club. And what happens is, is each month, instead of getting 700 videos and then trying to figure out which one to learn, you're given a video that is very focused on this is a concept, right? Maybe you want to learn how to expand your blues chords. So instead of just playing everything as majors or minors or sevenths or something like that, you want to learn some chord substitutions or things like that. So that's one thing that you can do. I hope you're enjoying this episode so far and you're getting motivated to take your guitar playing to the next level. Please do me a favor and leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts. It'll help the show grow and reach more rock stars like you who want to improve their guitar playing. Also, I'd love to know what parts of the episode you liked, as well as what you learned. So please share this podcast and tag us at guitarzoom.com on your social post. And now, let's get back to the podcast. If you're looking at a more specific element, like for me, I have courses. I've got a course called 96 Blues Licks that has been very successful that just has 96 wide variety of different kinds of blues licks that you can actually have that yeah yeah that one i have do you like it i do good good i haven't touched it in a while but yeah I did. right it's been about two years sure it's been i don't know when it came out yeah it has been and i've got another one called uh play blues now and that one really focused that's more for the player that really first getting into blues and you want to learn all the essential elements of blues both from a rhythm and a soloing perspective and then I've got one that's a bit more hardcore, which is a blues masterclass. And our masterclasses, we only release once a year. So it's not available right now. I don't do the marketing of when they become available and things like that. But that one only comes available, I think that's 15 weeks long. So it's an hour every week for 15 weeks. So it's pretty intense training. So, I mean, there's a lot of different things like that that we've got available. Well, what do you plan in the future? Where are you going with all this? My big thing, because I had taught private lessons for 27 years. I taught at the local college here at NDSU. I was a professor over at NDSU. I was a Montessori teacher. I don't know if you know Montessori education. but I, I was do, a, yeah. Okay. So I was a Montessori teacher for 15 years. So I would teach at the Montessori school in the mornings, and then I would go teach at NDSU in the afternoons, and then I would teach lessons in the evenings, and I would play with bands on the weekends. NDSU is North Dakota State University. Go Bison. And so I taught private lessons for many, 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 many years. And I remember thinking to myself, man, I would love to be able to teach around the world. I would love to be able to travel to Europe and teach a group of people that want to learn how to play. Because like I said, I freaking love teaching. I love teaching as much as I love performing. And, And I was thinking, if I could find a way of getting out there online. So I started trying to dabble in this stuff, but I had no idea what I was doing. And I wound up working for a company called Lesson Face. I don't know if you've ever heard of Lesson Face before. No, but I have not. They're out of New York City and really nice people. And that's where I think I got my first kind of bigger exposure of doing online classes and things like that. And then I got a call from Dan from GuitarZoom, Dan Link, the founder of GuitarZoom, a few years ago. And he just found me on the internet. And he's like, hey, are you interested in this? And that's where it all kind of started. And so 
my future, the, my biggest thing is, is I would love to continue doing what I'm doing. But the bigger thing is I would love to be able to travel around and work one-on-one, maybe in a group setting, but still being able to do one-on-one mm-hmm. things to help people. There's several online teachers that do. Yes. So that's successful. Yes. But, yeah, yeah, exactly. I love being home with my family, but that's my big thing is, is just helping people. Helping people not only play guitar, but just keeping a positive attitude. Because with guitar playing, first of all, the music industry can be such a bitter place anyway. And the second thing is, is learning how to play guitar can be so frustrating. So people are always giving up or they're always, I don't want to do this. I'm, I can't, I'll never be able, you know, that's the one thing I hear all the time. I'll never be able to do that. Well, that's not necessarily true. It's just learning what are the building blocks. And of course, you and I know because we're not 15 anymore. You don't have eight hours a day to practice. You've got other things going on in your life. So the biggest thing is is organizing people. I was just telling Steve that I've been traveling for a month, and last week and a half I haven't touched the guitar because I've been with the grandkids. That's what happens. That's right. You're retired. That's right. And you shouldn't have to feel bad about that. The big thing is, is learning what I was trying to teach people is who you really are, what your talents really are now, not what you want to be in three years. That's later. But what you're able to do right now And then how do you thread out from there to make some logical attachments to the next step? Because if all you do is keep looking at all these things going, oh, I wish I was him and I wish I could do that. (laughs) Then you just get frustrated because you're not that. And this whole comparison game that we play. And so that's my big thing is is teaching people how to do next steps. Okay, if you want to get here, what do we need to do and how do we logically get there? And are you willing to put in the time that it's going to take to get to that spot? I had just a little story. I had a student once many, many years ago. And he started off being a hard rock guy. That was his thing. He was convinced that he wanted to play metal and hard rock stuff. And I remember introducing him to the blues. And he had never played blues before. And he was like, this is the greatest thing on the planet. That's essentially what happened to me. I I wanted to learn all these rock songs. Sure. I'd learn one or two or three, and then I'd start on the fourth, and I'd forget the first. Sure, sure. I had no bass. Sure. And then I said, well, then I finally had this aha light bulb that... Well, this is all based on the blues. Yeah. So I backed up to the blues, and I didn't come out for years. Yeah, right. Then I learned the basics, which to build upon. Well, that was his thing. So once he started learning how to play the blues, he just became so passionate about it, he wound up moving out to Hawaii, and he's played ever since then. He plays blues, and I lost touch with him a, a number of years ago, but I talked to his mom once in a while, but that became his thing. So sometimes we convince ourselves that this is us and we want all this when really what we need to do is really look at, well, what are we and who are we and figure out what we really want, what really makes us happy. Instead of thinking that that's going to make us happy, let's figure it out. So I love that kind of stuff. I love sitting with people and I've always thought that guitar lessons are partial therapy as, as well as teaching how to play guitar because you got to teach people just to relax and be comfortable and be confident with themselves. You know, it's really important to be able to do that. Otherwise, you're not going to get anywhere anyway. You know, if you're terrified and you're mad. And I remember having this student not that long ago while I was still teaching private lessons, and she posted a video on YouTube. And she came into the lesson the next week, and she was just bawling because all these people had posted such horrible things about her video. And I'm like, you can't do that. You're not old enough to be dealing with that kind of negativity. You shut off those comments and post it. So it kind of sucked. Anyway, that's what I see myself doing in the future, for sure. All right, do you want to plug your website or whatever for crew? Yeah, if you go to guitarzoom.com, that's the main GuitarZoom site. And you can certainly look us up on Facebook. You can look up guitarzoom.com there. You can look up Steve Stein 
on Facebook too and find me there. But you'll find me all over the place. So any of those places are fine. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And we'll get this posted up on Blues Guard Guitar Lessons. And yeah. And keep practicing. Stay positive. That's the most important thing. So. Okay. One more request. Yeah. I always like to ask this at yeah. the end. How about demonstrating or teaching one easy lick? One easy lick? Sure. For the group more than me. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Well, there's a couple of different things I'll show you, but one thing that's really neat to do, if you haven't really studied it before, one of the most important things with blues soloing that you can learn is how to combine your major and minor pentatonic together. When I first started learning how to play, minor pentatonic was here, and major pentatonic was down three frets, right? That's how most people learn how to play. But when you learn how to combine your major and minor pentatonic together, you get the sound of these great blues guitar players. So a really cool lick to learn how to play, and I'll show you the pattern, and then you can kind of mess around with the lick a little bit, but it's to do something like this. If you take the five on the, uh, the fifth fret of the third string, and you do a hammer on to the sixth fret, which is already the most important thing. Like if you played minor pentatonic and you went, that's that minor to major sound. But we're gonna keep going and what we're gonna do is on the second string we're gonna play five and seven. Now that's major pentatonic. And then we're gonna play five eight, which is minor pentatonic. So if I give it a swing feel, it sounds like this. No, that's right. Yes. That's what it is. So what you can do is you'll see I'm combining on the first, on the third string technically, I'm combining major and minor pentatonic. This is the minor third, this, which is like minor chord. This is the major third, right? So I'm combining those two. And then on the next string, I'm playing major pentatonic and then minor pentatonic. Then what I'm going to do, we're going to tag this, okay? We're going to go back to the seven. Yep, so now we have... Then we're going to go back to the five. So we're just circling back, right? We're going. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. And then to tap it off, we're going to go to the eighth fret of the second string and do a minor bend. So it gives it that raw minor sound. There you go. So now if I play it nice and slow, it sounds like this. And I'm sure they'll be asking for the tab of it. But sure, okay. sure. <laughs> yep. No, but that's a really great way of... You don't have to go so deep and go, okay, well, now that I understand major and minor is really important, so now i got to learn it in all positions and blah. And yeah, ultimately, that would be nice. But if you can just start learning how to create just a little bit by learning how to combine those together, you get some really, really sweet sounds. What I recently did with that was to bring this one down. Yeah, right. Just one step back. That's right. That's right. And the major in there. That's right. Here's, I mean, since we're talking about it, another neat thing, if you think about this whole major and minor thing that you can do, is if we took that 5, 7, 5, 8 that we did here, and then what you do is you just simply move up one more fret, so you're going to go, instead of going 5, 7, 5, 8, you're going to go 5, 8, 5, 9. Okay. (laughs) So then you get this... Which is kind of a neat little bebop sounding thing, too, which is kind of neat. Excellent. Yeah. Well, thank you. Absolutely.
There you are, folks. You've got a lick you can use. All right. Have a good day. Take care. If you enjoyed today's podcast and want to learn guitar even faster, go to guitarzoom.com and click the Get Started button to get access to courses that are right for your interest and skill level. Again, go to guitarzoom.com and click the Get Started button.